Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's time to celebrate. We've made it, Murph. We've made it to the 200th show of the little podcast that started on my dining room table and now we're in the fancy studio. Actually, right now we're not because of COVID-19, as you can probably tell if you're watching on YouTube, but I thought like the Arizona Cardinals did in celebrating how they got DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing, we'd celebrate by getting ourselves a big dog too. How do you fancy some of that action? I love it. Although there's a lockdown going on and uh, everything seems to just have slowed down, we just keep going. And uh, yeah, this is a real privilege and uh, a real uh, a real honour to have our guest on today, that's for sure. 100%. So I didn't ask you how you are, big man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. My life uh, doesn't change much other than work kind of stinks right now. <laughs> I'm in sales, tech sales, and uh, no one wants to buy anything. <laughs> so um, I just have to keep uh, faking it till I'm making it um, and hoping that my boss doesn't realize that I'm not going to hit quota. <laughs> to be sure, sure he's, not hit quota, he's not hit quota either. So uh, I've, made, I've made more than him. So I should be okay. Night, Rush Nation. 
enough about COVID-19 until we get into the chat with today's guest. Let me introduce you to one third of the fantasy footballers, top 10 most accurate analysts on fantasy pros in 2017, 2018, 2019, and, and probably next year as well, let's face it. Oh, and he also co-hosts the Spitballers podcast, which if you haven't listened to, is magnificent. It's Jason Moore, everybody. Jason, welcome to Five Yard Rush, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing as well as can be expected in the, the COVID era and uh, happy to be on for the 200th episode. That's, a, that's not a small number. No, <laughs> it, it's, it's really sort of snuck up on us as well. Like we, we've been trying to just put content out two, three, four, five times a week uh, in season. And it's like before you knew it, it was just, it's just flying by. Like I remember doing the 50th and the 100th thinking like, oh my God, we've done this many. And then like 200 just sort of coming like, okay. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for coming on. This is this is a pleasure. This is uh, you were the first name on the on the on the top of the sheet, and I'm glad you said yes because uh, <laughs> I hadn't worked out who number two was going to be. <laughs> so a, I was I was the first and last. Well, I'm happy to be absolutely. here. Absolutely. So, Jason, obviously the world's in complete lockdown right now. How are you coping with isolation? And have you got anything fun that you're doing to stay occupied? Uh, the coping with isolation is, I think, different for parents. Um, as a parent, it's not so much isolation so much as going crazy with your kids. Love them to death. But we've got three kids, twin 11-year-olds and a 7-year-old, and they go crazy. They get stir-crazy. And when you got three stir-crazy kids in the house, you go crazy. So my pro tip uh, is something that, look, it wasn't my idea, but we did it yesterday. It was phenomenal. They did a can't-leave-the-room challenge in a fort. They built a fort under our dining room table, and they stayed, the three of them, under there, and it was a can't-leave challenge. We said it would be $100 to the winner. Whoever is the last one out gets $100. That was 17 hours of freedom. They stayed overnight in that thing. It was glorious. So, And they had a blast. You know, we gave them some electronics in there and, uh, you know, we'd give them food and a 60-second bathroom break uh, when, when needed. But it, it was a fun thing for them. Uh, gave us some peace and, and it worked out. Would you say that's the best hundred bucks you've ever spent? Oh, I mean, a hundred dollars for 17 hours of freedom. You can't, you can't, that's just, that's a great ROI. Yeah. And the truth is, I'm not giving them a hundred dollars. Like the truth is they, they ended up pooling their money together to buy a video game, which I probably would have got them anyways. Cause they've been wanting it's, you know, they're locked in. So really I just, you know, whatever. And, and who won? Uh, my oldest son, the, the boy twin one actually the, the they kind of split the the two boys my daughter last night when i tucked them into bed she couldn't handle the sleeping on the floor she was out early but then the the boys made it through the night nice that's awesome i, I can't do that with my boy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's not he's not quite mastered that that art yet whereas um the good thing with mine is he's not overly mobile although he does crawl or roll he doesn't crawl yet <laughs> it's uh you can just put him in a place and normally he's all right. Actually, he's quite an independent kid. He, he just wants to sit there and play with stuff. And um, as long as you put something there that he's not quite allowed to have, but it's just <laughs> in reach, but too far out of reach. Like you got to get the balance right, like a wire or a cable. If you can put it just so it's out of reach, but close enough to where he thinks he can get it, that's a good hour. That's an hour that he'll be focused trying to get that thing. It's amazing. Uh, I've I've mastered this. Like he sits in my uh, makeshift office um, upstairs when 
when the wife's like having a shower and needs some time and I'm working and I, I've mastered it. So he's just literally focused on that and he can do that for a good hour, which is I, it's good. I, a way of figuring it's like training for future. No, just setting I, him up for that disappointment. There's always going to be something that's just going to be that little bit out of reach. You can keep going, but you see. I, well, you're, you're <laughs> going to need a better game, mate, because that time is going to run out real quick. <laughs> Trust me on this. Wow. He's going to be all isolation ends first. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Jason, we had Andy on. Oh, I don't remember when it was now. It was one about of, a year ago. Yeah, if not a long one. So, obviously, if you if you listen to the podcast, then you know how the fantasy footballers came about. And but obviously, Andy and Mike started it, and then you won a little bit after them. Um, how did you end up ending up on the fantasy footballers? Yeah, I mean, it was still uh, really early. I think they had a good solid forty listeners when it was the two of them, um, or maybe forty downloads from uh, a, a few listeners. Um, you know, it was one of those things where I, I had, we had all known each other uh, for a long time at the company that I used to run and we would talk fantasy football all the time. They started it because they started a podcast for our league, just for the 12 of us. And then they were like, after they were doing that for a year, they're like, well, let's, you know, we, we know fantasy football. We're great at this. Let's make this for, uh, for others. And I was a big fan. I supported them. I said, I, I thought it was going to be big and um, they brought me on for uh, some of the, the business acumen and the comedic side. And uh, then we took off and it was, it was good times have been had. Most definitely. So where did you start recording? Obviously, because we started on my dining room table and it was microphone things were crossed over each other and we were in each other's pockets. So where did you guys start out? We built a set, a studio in what used to be Andy's oldest boy's room. He got the boot. <laughs> so uh, the boys shared a room. And we converted just a bedroom in the house into our first set. Um, we were there for a couple of years, um, even as we grow, grew and got a little bit larger. And we had our show that we were filming in this bedroom uh, syndicated on some uh, cable networks. And, um, you know, it was, people would always we would trick them. We built a pretty nice studio in this little bedroom and, you know, we'd get emails from time to time. Oh, I'm a musician. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to be in Arizona. Can I get a, you know, a studio tour? I was like, no, we're not in this studio. You'd like kids sleeping down the hallway. This is just a house. You can't come in and see our bedroom. So, uh, you know, since then we've, we've spent the last several years in a, uh, a much nicer, uh, true studio that we've built out. Now we do studio tours because, there's something to see. That's awesome. It just shows you you can it, you can start anywhere, isn't it? Really, in Andy's kid's bedroom or on the kitchen table. That's one of the good things about podcasting. You can literally plug a, a headphone like I am into a Mac and do your whiz. So yeah, and, and I think I think with what's going on with with COVID, I think you're going to see a lot of podcasts jump up. Right, I think there's going to be a lot of people that will just start doing these, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's absolutely anything. Right, and and they'll be doing this thing because it's so it's it's a low cost to entry to to at least get started. It's but as as everyone knows, it, it's not the starting that's the difficult bit. It's the it's the constant going. And uh, you know, you guys, are, your story is unbelievable. To, to see, I didn't realize it was done in Andy's bedroom. That's 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 so awesome. Like um, just to convert his bedroom and uh, or his boys' bedroom and to be where you are now, and and then the sky's the limit. I, I think I said to to one of you the other day, you guys need to uh, come over here. Well, you, you guys are sell out uh, arenas here, definitely. Oh, the amount of you, fans you've got over here, you definitely do it. A good arena. So, um, look, a couple of years from now, when the NFL has a team there, full time, permanently, maybe we'll maybe we'll come across the pond and have a good live event there. Uh, once we're all back out of our houses, <laughs> that'd be amazing. So, so although 
I was going to say, I'm not so sure we're going to get a team over here anytime soon. Um, I thought there was going to be some provisions in the CBA that were going to sort of make that a bit easier, but they haven't seemed to close some of those loopholes with regards to taxation or where game checks are are actually paid. And I think they're going to be the big things that are going to stop a team from being here for the next few years. Yeah, the the CBA shouldn't hold too much weight over that. Um, You bring up a couple things that people will be unhappy with, but they have the allowance to do that the owners do uh within the collective bargaining i think it would be several years from now four or five years from now but i think it could be in this deal and i think one of the the reasons that that could succeed is actually the 17 game schedule it would allow an expansion of two more teams rather easily and i know that they're wanting to just continually grow the product internationally so we'll 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 see Uh, uh, they'll definitely have more and more games there whether or not they'll get a team i just think look, the NFL is predictable. They do what makes money. You know, they're like, people are like, oh, is the NFL season going to happen? I'm like, look, these guys will do whatever it takes to make their money. I can't imagine them canceling any games ever. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get theirs. They love that. They love that cash. Yeah, definitely. So Jason, for those listeners who don't listen to your podcast, who do you support and, and why do you have them as your team? Uh, we are all natives of Arizona in the United States. So we are the Arizona Cardinal diehard hometown, uh, fans. You know, we've had a long stretch of rough times really since I've been a boy, the Cardinals have sucked with the exception of two little mini stretches. You know, we had the Kurt Warner years, which were glorious and the Carson Palmer years, which were great. And outside of that, it has sucked. But, I mean, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins pairing with Kyler Murray, it's looking it's looking rosy. It really is. I still maintain that the Arizona Cardinals all or nothing is the best all of nothing. Oh, yeah. Bruce Arians is, is just so fun. He really is. <laughs> He's uh, he, it's, it's it's not just him. It was just it was everything. I think the way that the Bidwells em- embraced it. I don't think you get like Jerry. We went to Jerry's world. It was just a bit like mental. I don't think the owners have have got in and dialed in the, the same way that the Bidwells did. They really sort of opened up everything and said, "This is what we are about." And I they really embraced it. And I think that's what makes uh, a good series. Um, I just loved everything about it. I think I've gone and watched it like five or six times now because it's just it's my favorite one. I'd rather watch that one than watch the the Panthers one again, which was poor. And the Rams one was only interesting when Fisher got fired. Yeah, yeah. that was what made that series. <laughs> Up until then, it was boring as heck. Yes, it was terrible. Jason, water bets are a big thing of the fantasy footballers podcast. You guys use it as a as a method of winning a bet, as it were. What? What's your best water bet story? Well, I mean, the, 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 the best and worst is, is our league of record has done water bets for years, long before the podcast. In fact, this started at our uh, Broken Bowl Game Studios, the, the company I used to run. We had a physical wheel that we built to punish people for losing. If you got shut out at foosball or shut out at ping pong or whatever, you were going to get watered. And so that's where it came <laughs> from. But our league of record uses it as the punishment for the last place team. And what happens is they come in on draft day. We, we do a live draft, or at least did until probably this year. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, we have everybody come. People from around the country, they fly in. And the 11 owners that did not finish last each get to water the loser. And then that person has to draft soaking wet through the draft. It is <laughs> awesome and i ha- you know I, I hate to say it 
I have uh, we're in a, the league of record is is a keeper league, and so it's it's feast and famine. Basically, if you want to win that thing, you can't just you, you have to tank. If you want, you, you've got to trade for picks and have a super team the next year. So I have faced the the water side of that before, and it sucks. It sucks <laughs> big time. But uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to do something. Um, I mean, we don't really have a league of record because I'm not counting your home dynasty team that you let me gate crash last year with my absolute dumpster fire of a garbage team with no picks and <laughs> no talent. I, I did not force you to take that team, though. No, but someone needed to make it competitive. And like yeah, that's why. That's not me because my team's godly. Well, yeah, because you stole all the players. But we need to bring in some <laughs> form of forfeit. If it, do you know what? That's going to be one of the listener leagues. We're going to do something that is going to be a forfeit related. Okay. might be that Jersey League that we've been muting about. Stay tuned for that one for the summer. I don't... Uh, also on Waterbets, Jason, I don't suppose you saw my one that we tweeted at Andy. I got attracted a load of water tipped on top of me. Oh, I, I think I I think I have seen that. I didn't, I didn't realise that was yours. Yes, uh, water bats can be a lot of fun. I don't even know what what I lost, and I just thought I'm not going to get a cup of water thrown over me. I'm going to pour a tractor over me and make this big time. Wasn't that a guy that you met through the Ballers League, and you lost a water bet to him about a player? Yes, Devonte Adams going over a thousand yards. That was it. Yes. How do I know that better than you? Because <laughs> uh, I lost. I've wiped it out of my memory. That's a fair point. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, this is a fantasy football podcast. You are the fantasy footballers. Let's talk some fantasy football. How did your 2019 season go as a whole? Uh, went went very well. Uh, back-to-back uh, champion in our main uh, dynasty league, two years running. Um, you know, we, we had several leagues that we were in as a group. Um, we played in a league with Juju Smith-Schuster and Ninja and uh, kind of a celebrity league. We took that down, um, and we were in another uh, – kind of celebrity league with um uh at the through the nfl network and mm-hmm. with some of their experts and we took the expert bracket down we lost in the championship to a saquon barkley Kenyon drake combo we played the number one and number two running back on the same week uh that week and and uh that was rough but uh we we had a real successful year it was, it was very good a lot of championships in that league, we had Erica Tamposi on, and she took great pride in uh, not watching you guys win. <laughs> oh, I'll bet. I'll bet, because we talked some trash. <laughs> Nobody wanted us to win except us. You were public enemies number one. <laughs> some of the programs behind that, we don't get them all here, but I did watch quite a few of them online, and they were they were great. The draft scenes themselves, because that was a live draft as well, wasn't it, for the most of you yeah, Mike and I were were there. Andy uh, was not part of the draft, um, but he he helped us through the the season with uh, decisions. Amazing. It's a shame about Drake, but you know, yeah, <laughs> we'll let you off on that one. Um, in terms of um, the leagues itself, do you remember how many leagues you played in last year? Well, so I, I, I look, I've got four four main leagues, um, three primary, and then one like kind of like yeah, okay, well, there's. There's enough people here that I really care about that I'm, I'm I think there's four leagues I play in. There are a lot more than that in um, in general. You know, all the the leagues that we co-own together or or kind of businessy. Uh, you know, some CBS or someone wants us to participate in a thing. Plenty. I mean, uh, countless best balls and those. But really, I'm in four primary leagues that I personally care about, and I don't want to go 
wider than that because we I've actually pared down to that you know as as we grew in popularity we get invited to everything and then eventually we were we were in too many leagues and it's like I want to I think some of the things that makes us special um are the fact that we're real we're real fantasy football players like I care about my league to the nth degree um and a lot of analysts that have been doing this for a long long time they're just in so many leagues and it's such a job that um that gets lost and so um yeah we're in basically four four uh leagues where the three of us are basically in those leagues together personally and we care about them that's that's a nice amount for Murph. just uh take note of that buddy we're in um <laughs> we're we're in way too many leagues <laughs> yeah but i think i i think your point is like you get invited to leagues and again it's about you have the leagues you care about and then you have the leagues you do like we participate same as you we co-own in all of our listener leagues because we're trying to grow the fantasy football population here there's a lot of people that play still those crummy nfl auto leagues with bots or people who quit after like a week there's still people that can't play in a genuine 12 team league with their friends mm. here because they don't know 11 other people that are into the nfl here it's oh. getting bigger and like the nfl is growing but then there's that that point of entry of I'm into NFL, but I don't know about fantasy. So how do I get involved? And I still don't know if I can convince 11 of my friends or or nine of my friends to do it. So that's why we host as many leagues as we do, because we want to make sure that nobody has to go through that crappy experience of playing in a league where they don't know anyone and there's no chat or anything like that. Yeah. If you play in a league like that, then that's the last time you ever play. You say fantasy football is not fun and that wouldn't be fun. You can also, I mean, you say, uh, you know, we've, you believe we've got a lot of fans over on that side of the planet. And if that's true, you can go to footclanleagues.com where we've got kind of a forum where you can find local, uh, you know, online local people to play with that are all into the sport and love it. So, you know, I, I have no doubt that we've had plenty of footclan leagues find themselves, you know, on your, in your neck of the woods from, from that area as well. Absolutely. Yeah, because we, we've played them before and, and they're great fun. So um, definitely that's another avenue. And I think that's that's why we have so many leagues because we play in leagues that we just play against listeners or just friends of listeners who just need a place to, to at least start. I'd rather people play in, if I have to play in 50 leagues so someone can play in a league that at least has a bit of trash talking and a bit of fun in it, then yeah, so be it. I'm I'm okay with that. It's uh, I know it's not going to be forever. <laughs> like uh, I'm sure we'll do what we have to, what you've done, and trim down at some point. But um, one of the questions I'm I'm really keen on, and I ask every analyst this, um, in terms of, it's all about what you you talk about on the show all the time about your your book, your things you must remember from the the 2019 season or whatever season we're on. I know you've done this recently, but what would you say were the biggest glaring takeaways from? the 2019 season that you're going to definitely stick to in, in 2020? Uh, one of the things I wanted to remember going into last year, I did, and it worked swimmingly, is to avoid the injury dip. Um, you know, people get great ADPs. You know, you can buy them in the draft for super cheap because they're kind of dealing with injury. You know, A.J. Green, people are getting him in the fourth round. What a steal. Um, and it was one of those things where if it was if there was a guy who was dealing with an injury, he's, you know, he kind of tweaked his hamstring in camp or he's coming off of X, Y, or Z. I just avoided it because, look, I mean, everybody out there, when you're, when you're picking between player X and player Y in, what, in round Z, 
it doesn't matter. Like they're all going to be near enough to each other um, in value that why have the extra risk of the injury? So that's one thing. And then uh, the other thing, I think I was a little too weak. Historically speaking, rookie wide receivers, they don't do well. Uh, I never, almost never draft them this pat at at least in the first half of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. By the end of the year, they do well. So long as you're not talking about 2014, but this past season, we saw a lot of players hit early Terry McLaurin, uh, Marquise Brown. And I come that combined with this incoming draft class. That's, um, you know, highly touted. I think I'll be a little bit more aggressive with rookie wide receivers in 2020. I like that because in my best ball, I've taken rookie wide receivers all over the place because I think at least uh, once I've got my core built, I think then maybe if one of them goes off, I've, I've done all right so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go with that. Which leads nicely on to um, strategy. So um, how do you get ready for the season? How do you prepare for your, your drafts? Um, uh, what are some top tips you can share with people who are who are listening to this or watching? Uh, this? I prepare poorly. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the worst parts about doing this full time, uh, which is basically ninety nine percent great parts. When we used to go to our league of record draft, the two weeks preceding that draft were just hobbyist dedication to that draft i knew everybody where everybody's picking because you know it's it's a it's a keeper league so trades and picks are is just every round is just a hodgepodge of different people so i know okay this guy has got needs here and you you study the other teams in the league and say what are what are they going to need coming in where do they have gaps where they don't get to pick uh you know you do mock drafts specific to your league you know you go okay you know troy always takes chargers or whatever he you know and and when you draft and fill out the rosters you you kind of see okay i think based on our league this guy's gonna go here Uh, i'm gonna need to jump up to this pick if i want that guy you know all those situations now i don't do any of that i just don't have time to do that but on the flip side i in full time in fantasy i know the values of players hopefully as good as anybody in the world and and so um I, I think we just kind of it's a give and take so as far as how i prepare for my draft is i have a full-time job where i study fantasy football and then um i just get to the draft and show up i guess the only other thing i would i would throw out there and this is an oldie but a goodie something that you know from however long you've played you've heard whether it was matthew barry or or someone else you do need to take advantage of the rules in your league. So every now and then, you know, um, if it's a league I'm popping into that is new to me or I've been invited, there's these uh, fantasy football eliminators for fantasy cares that I take part in every year. And they, they have wacky rules. You know, it's not just it's whether it's tight end premium or a different kind of uh, best ball lineup that, you know, people don't realize is like you don't need any position in that league. You, you don't have to draft a running back or a wide receiver. It's just players. And so if you're, you know, if you're, if your first two picks in that league are not both quarterbacks, you're an idiot, but then you feel dumb because you don't, you're not used to doing that in most leagues. So you have to, you know, study at least the, the specifics of your league, but most leagues are similar enough. So you bring on an interesting point on tight end premium. So this is a a hotbed, a, a conversation between Stock and I and, and other people. I'm one of these people that in a tight end premium that unless I'm unless I'm going to nab one of the top three or four tight ends, I just ignore its tight end premium because once you get outside of those 
top three, top four. They're all one pretty much samey. There's not a lot of tier difference from Titan 5 to Titan 12. And second of all, there's always a guy on the waiver wire that is in the tight end position that will always elevate above the rest of that tier anyway. Um, I've seen that for the last three or four years. I've always been a draft tight end late guy. So what are your thoughts on on that? Do you always just go, right, it's tight end premium. I'm going to take one early if I can. If not, still draft one, or would you just uh, bin it and just pick a guy late? It, it depends on the specifics of the tight end premium. If it's like, okay, they get a point and a half per reception, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to factor that in. So our ultimate draft kit, we've got custom scoring now. So I would make a league in there where it just shows the actual difference in projections for a guy that's going to get one and a half. And I, I still just draft based on tiers. Whatever tier I want to get a tight end, if I want to make sure I get, you know, uh, maybe I like tight end, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, those, those, those guys, I, I don't want to go lower than that then I'll just wait as long as I can and grab one of those guys. But uh, of course, in a, in a tight end premium league, I'm, I'm always willing to take one of those early guys. I'm not, I mean, they're, they're such an advantage because of consistency. You know, you talk about um, tight end seven, tight end seven will suck. Like he, mm-hmm. he will like that. That sounds great at the end of the year, but he sucked all through the year. And um, you know, so it's not good enough to just have one that you can play. You've got to play the streaming game all year long. If you don't have one of the top three guys, that's how I'd approach it. No, that's cool. We, um, we played the Scott fish bowl last year and we didn't pick a tight end until I think the 13th round, 12th or 13th round. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing fine until we had, we picked Will Disley in the 19th round mm. and that was going really well until <laughs> big Montana got hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that started to spell the end because uh, yeah we had Jack Doyle. Um, who else do we take? Yeah, it wasn't good apart from Will Disney. Yeah, um, well Jack Doyle came good at the end. I mean it was fine, but then we at that point we'd uh, run into big Darius Slayton, and that was the end of our run in the playoffs. But oh, Darius. <laughs> um, in terms of then when you're thinking about preseason and things to note before the season, what are the big things that you look at? Is it training camp is it any is it OTAs is it preseason or is it none of that and just following what teams have invested say in the draft and their draft capital and and transactions yeah I mean I I certainly follow the money and the transactions more than any of the news and the blurbs Um, it's really a case-by-case basis I mean um, there are certain beat reporters that over time you learn you can trust and that they have an ear and then there are but, but if you don't know that, then you just – it's better off to trust nobody and just say, I don't know. In the preseason, um, I think that that is telling a little bit when it comes to just depth chart order. Um, you, they're still going to be vanilla, but who they put out first or second or third, you know, if you're talking about running backs and a murky timeshare, I look for that. How tight ends are going to be utilized. Tight ends tend to be they, – they play more of the real game in the preseason because there's more to the position. Um, so those are some things I look for, but for the most part, I mean, when you're obsessing, I mean, what is this? This is March still. I mean, when you're obsessing, uh, over fantasy football at this time of year, you I think you'd be better off ignoring most of the stuff in that time of year and trusting what the months of research have led you to believe. If you do enjoy fantasy football as much as the three of us and you guys do over 
over on your pod, then it just becomes a massive blur anyway, and March might as well be August. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm riding high on the TB12 train, so all good oh, over no. here. Look, shush you. Buccaneers <laughs> fan, huh? That's right. So, you know, we don't get to have nice days at all. So I'm enjoying the, uh, I, I know the 2019 or 2020 season, 2020 season, I can't remember what year it is. is <laughs> I know it's not going to kick off on time because we've got TB12. Like we don't have nice things in Tampa. They don't exist. Right. I know if, <laughs> if, if you miss the 2020 season, the guys like Tom Brady and Drew, it's just so not fair. It's like, wait, 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 <laughs> we, we don't have a big window here. You don't get to just now be 43. Yeah. <laughs> and then 44 and who knows what's going to yeah. happen. But yeah, so uh, that's why I, it's my theory. I don't think we're going to start on time. It's just, just for that alone. I think Tampa broke it. Um, and we can blame Jason Light for that as well if we don't kick off on time. Uh, I hate to break into your... Uh, have you guys seen The Purge, the movie The Purge? No. I, I am aware of it and I think I've seen about half of it. Okay, so when the purge starts, there's a huge air raid siren. It's a very unique air raid siren. Somebody's driving around my estate playing that really loud. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's got to be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can hear some sort of air raid siren out the window. I better just check it isn't real. I know it's just some clown playing the purge. <laughs> well, it's April Fool's Day tomorrow, so you, or yesterday, depending on when you're listening on hearing this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So do you anything? Do you do anything special, Jason, for planning for the playoffs? But you know, key factors and managing your roster, getting into the playoff push. Oh yeah, um, defenses, defenses, defenses. That's I think the the secret sauce to the playoffs. I don't care about having flyer options or a lot of depth come playoff time. If I know my team is playoff bound, I'm locked that up. I'm a week or two away. I will happily carry three defenses on my roster, looking at the actual schedule of those weeks, even if I've got a good defense, because I don't want my opponents to be able to pick them up and play them. And, and usually those things work out because look in the beginning of the year, you think, you know, which defenses are great and which ones aren't. And you're always wrong. Uh, you know, people weren't drafting the Patriots to be the best fantasy defense of all time coming into last year. You know, it was uh, two years ago, you were drafting the Jaguars as the best thing ever. And then they, they just sucked. Um, but by the end of the year, you know which defenses are good. And more importantly, you know which offenses are just so atrocious that whoever plays against them puts up giant points. And so if you're planning ahead before your fellow playoff mates are, are planning, then you just get your pick of the litter. And, I mean, you're talking about 10-point swings in a fantasy game uh, for one week victory, win and you're in, losing you're out. So uh, that that would be my number one takeaway. Uh, number two might be a similar strategy if you know who your opponent's going to be. You know how the seating lines up, or maybe you're already in the playoffs and you see that okay, if I win this game and I'm in the championship, I'm definitely going to be playing that team. They and their specific situation is they're streaming quarterbacks and they don't have a good week 16 matchup. You just try to plan two weeks out um, or maybe even three weeks out when, if you've got the luxury on your roster um, to block uh, you know, a tight end or a quarterback if, if you are going to come up to a team that uh, utilizes streaming. Yeah, we, that's, we often say grab people that your opponents might want and then you can block them that way. But yeah, decent advice. So I suppose 
last thing on this then what are your three top keys to success to help your listeners our listeners anybody who's listening whatsoever to win their league probably listen to the fantasy footballers right i mean you know you gotta you gotta win so you gotta listen to the best <laughs> um keep playing till the end uh, that was my biggest uh that was my my the the piece of advice that changed for me as a player i spent a decade when i first started out in fantasy where I loved it. I would have fun. I would, oh my gosh, the work that went into the draft and, you know, the smack talk and all that. And every year I would be okay at the end. You know, I'd, I'd make the playoffs, be out first, or I'd be the team right uh, out of the playoffs, didn't get in. And whenever that happened, you know, basically, I don't know if you're aware of this, but everybody in your league except for one person will not win the championship. And every time that that happened, I basically quit. I was just done. I was like, well, my team is out, you know? And so I didn't follow through. I didn't, I didn't look at transactions. I didn't look, continue watching the NFL the same way. And so the next year that had a, an enormous effect on me, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't realize guys like AJ Brown who really broke out or, or, you know, shifts on teams. You look at the Rams, the first half and the second half of the year, they're two different teams. And so a lot of times I'm playing on too old of knowledge the next season. And then that keeps me from, so I would say play to the end. Uh, you know, if, if you've got a bad record, just keep playing, just keep having fun, set your lineups, do a better job. It might not be for this year, but you know, you, you know, so many of us been playing for so long with the same group. It's just fun. Uh, so that would be a piece of advice. Um, and, and somewhat similar to that. I've said this a million times on our show, but you don't win a championship at the draft. The draft is the most fun day of the year. It's the most important day of the year. But that's not where you win a championship. So it's really, if you're, if you're saying, what are my tips to winning a championship, you're going to win that with your start-sit decisions and your waiver wire pickups. I mean, I literally won our championship in our league of record, um, or not the league of record, our, our main listener league, uh, two, no, it was three years ago, and I had one person, and this is a 14-team league, I had one person that I drafted. And I won the championship with a roster completely of different pieces. So, you know, it's those transactions that really put you over the top. And I'll bet you if you go back and look in your leagues and look at who won the championship and look at their team and then go back and, and look at the, the roster moves they made, so many were built on waiver wire transactions, picking up the right person or maybe a trade here or there. Um, it's a little bit harder to see how good they were at choosing start sit decisions, but you know, it's the, it's the weekly transactions that are going to do it. I love that advice. And the one thing I love more is um, playing to the end. I played in the league last year, one of the few leagues that didn't make the playoffs in. I won my week for uh, 13. Yeah. My week 13 matchup to deny a team from getting into the playoffs. I still remember that. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And also, you end the season with a dub. That's what you want. Like, all right. It's, I ended up, yeah, I think I ended up four and four and nine or something. Like, it was horrific. I just, uh, I picked a lot of guys. It didn't really work out. And, and that was fine. But um, to end that and to end the season, that was, that was awesome. I was quite happy with that. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the whole yeah. thing is, you know, especially when you're playing in leagues where you get to know people and you talk trash over the year. That's why being in a fun league is, is so important because, you, you've got those personal grudges week on week. My motivation, we play in a, I, I got invited into Stocks' Dynasty League with an absolute toilet. It was an absolute car crash. And mm -hmm. my whole motivation was to finish as high as I could 
because the guy who rinsed my team of all my first round draft capital for the first three years, I was like, I want this guy picking at the end or as close to the end of the first round. That was my pure motivation for that league was, well, I don't have a first round pick. So there's no point in tanking. So I'm just right. going to finish as high as I can. I think I came fifth. So that guy's now picking at the back end of round one, as opposed to where he was thinking, right, I've got the 101, I'm locked, I'm all set. That was my whole motivation for the whole year, was just so that guy who rinsed my team for absolutely nothing is picking. He's now not getting a, a Swift or a Taylor. He's, he's going to be lucky to get – he might get Dobbins if he's lucky. Like, How dare you? Dobbins is going before Swift. Oh, well, there you go. What? Yeah, hundred percent. We'll leave that for another day. <laughs> uh, you look okay. Let's talk some. Let's talk some twenty twenty fantasy football. You're in the dynasty league, and let's presume the Bengals take Burrow, and the Dolphins take Tua. You need a quarterback, Jason. Who are you taking? Uh, it's got to be Burrow, um, it, just because of the injury risk. It's 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 the piece of advice I gave earlier, right? They they both could be good. Uh, they both could be great. They both could be busts. Uh, one of them has a massive injury that they're coming off of, and one of them doesn't. I'm going to go ahead and take the guy who's healthy and has just uh, less of a red flag. I would definitely take Tua if they were both healthy. I mean, I, I would take the more mobile uh, quarterback that's going to add fantasy points running the ball. But no, there's, there's no reason in the world that I would draft Tua over Burrow while you have no proof of health. Uh, for that player so on that logic the, let's say for example the Chargers take Herbert and we think he's going to beat Tyrod Taylor out or if he doesn't even beat him out to start with and we've got a Baker Mayfield situation he's he's going to be the QB in waiting would you still take Herbert over Tua on that knowledge or would you think that Tua at his peak could be incredible and therefore would would be willing to pay I'll get I guess I'm trying to gauge Sure. Yeah. How far does the injury risk matter? And, you know, where the injury risk matters is as a tiebreaker, as when you've got guys that are basically in the same tier, you, you've, you've got two players that might go back to back in a rookie draft. Well, if one of them is injured and one of them isn't, I'm going to take the one that isn't. In the, the case of Herbert, he'd probably be a lot cheaper, lower down in the draft, which ironically means I will also take Herbert, not <laughs> over Tua, but I would bypass Tua and take Herbert much later at a cheaper value because when I'm bypassing Tua earlier, I'm drafting another player, presumably a running back or wide receiver, which I care about a whole lot more than quarterbacks. Nice. So then this running back class has been famed in terms of probably one of the best ones we've had in the last few years. And I appreciate we don't know landing spots yet, which is always going to massively change the outcome. But if you were just ranking this based on what you've seen, what you've researched – how are you sure. ranking the, the running backs in, in this class? And if you were sort of drafting on talent, where would you rank these guys? Uh, so Jonathan Taylor is my number one. Um, he, he would be uh, – I, I believe he's just the best back. Um, I don't have any concerns of his pass catching. Um, you know, people talk about uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, as this great pass catching back. And, you know, the, you know if you look at – how their teams utilized them. Jonathan Taylor in his final season had a greater receiving market share. <laughs> you know, it's like, that can't be right. He, you know, if you look at the, you know, uh, Alaire had over twice as many catches, but well, they were in an offense that, that, that runs that way. So um, I've got uh, him one, I've got Swift two, I've got um, 
Dobbins three, sorry. Um, I am not a big fan of um, Edwards Alaire personally. Uh, that's not to say I think he is um, bad. I don't look at him, you know, when, when Ronald Jones was coming out, I thought he was bad. I thought, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of hype, but he's got no shot. I don't think that with Alaire because of his pass catching ability, but what I see is a power back. Um, the, the way he plays to me is, is a, is a guy who, you know, initiates contact plays tough and rough and um, he's 207 pounds. And that's just not that style. I just don't think is going to work in the NFL. Um, obviously draft capital will matter. Um, I really like cam acres. I'd, I'd put him probably uh, fourth on the list. Um, I don't have all my notes here in front of me uh, to go too deep, but um, I liked him. Um, and uh you know, Eno Benjamin to me is him and Alaire are so similar uh, to me as prospects that you know one is going to cost a lot and one is going to be cheap if you if if you uh, if you like that skill set. Um, any other specific guys you want me to? Uh, I mean, someone you love that you think or hate? Well, your your top four is the same as my top four. That's where I'm at. I I kind of flipped about two three weeks ago. Edward Alaire. I, I've done the same. I've moved him slightly down. I moved Cam Akers up. I even got rid of my free shoes university bias and uh, <laughs> uh, I moved him up the board, um, which is a hard thing for me to do. Having you know, being a Florida Gator, it's quite hard to uh, to like guys who went to free shoes university. But I liked Jameis, so you know, it's not unprecedented. Yeah. It can happen. Cam Akers, that, Cam Akers is bizarre. I've never watched, you know, in all the years of scouting uh, incoming rookies, I have never, ever, ever seen a worse offensive line. No, it's terrible. It was un, you, I can't even watch the tape. It's so not fun to watch Cam Akers' tape because it's like, oh, just at the quarterback. I mean, every, it's just like they are it, like 10, 12 sacks a game and the, the hit behind the – so it's like it's hard to evaluate him. But then every time that he gets an opportunity to say, okay, when I personally scout, I put a lot of stock into what happens when you get into the situations where it's a 50-50 shot. You know, it's a, the defender has a shot. The offensive lineman has a shot. It's not like, oh, he already had a huge head of steam and he can run past him. It's like, oh, this play just happened to give one of these opportunities where it's like, this is the back versus the defensive back or linebacker or whatever. And that's where I, I didn't see Alaire win a lot. And that's where I see mm. Akers win all the time. I mean, to shine on that team, which is just abysmal. I mean, I loved it. I love watching it because as a Gator, it's just amazing to watch how bad a team are. And when that bowl record ended, I was like, because that's all you ever heard from Free Shoes University fans. You just heard from, you know, we've been in bowl games for 40 years or however long their, their, their record went on for. And, you know, it, that's just a badly run program now that needs to be retooled and rebuilt up from the beginning um and it's been on the decline for a while but cam Akers did was always one that, that shone past what about um the one guy we've missed in this is is uh zach moss because he's someone that's oh i of... hate zach moss Ooh, no he's, gar- <laughs> he's garbage uh zach moss would be more akin to my uh to my belief in ronald jones from years ago he, he he's uh no, it's not. It's not gonna not gonna happen in the NFL for Zach Moss. Wow, okay. He's. I mean, it was one of those things. I'm not a combine guy. I just mm-hmm. don't care what your combine score says. No. 
I don't, you know, uh, uh, Arian Foster, one of the fastest backs I've ever watched in my life on a football field, just glides past people. I think he was like a four, six, five. Who cares? If, if you play fast, you play fast. If you play slow, you play slow. You know, you look at uh, Dalvin Cook. But before the combine, Zach Moss, I watch, and I'm like, this dude's slow. Like, he's, he's, he's game film slow. He's uh, a heavy guy. You know, what, what is he, like 235 or something? He's, he's a big boy. And in college, that could kind of work, and he could do some things that he's not going to be able to do in the NFL. So I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of Zach Moss okay. at all. Interesting. Oh, I've drafted him nearly every best ball so far because he's. <laughs> but at, at, like late round when all the other players are just nobodies, I thought Zach Moss. Why not? He might have one good game, but yeah, I mean these these are just my you know opinions. They've been known to be wrong time and and again, but uh, not often. Usually, I will say usually with running backs, rookie running backs. I trust my scouting. I you know like I, I I've said this before. I don't really trust my scouting of incoming rookie quarterbacks i just you know i i've got a track record personally where i go you know deshaun kaiser i i was a big believer um you know deshaun watson i wasn't um you know when it comes to quarterbacks i i tend to um read up on other people that i believe know the quarterback position better and try to put my rankings both personally when i'm drafting uh, ahead of my own scouting but when it comes to rookie running backs, I feel like my track record there has been pretty, pretty good. So I, I trust myself there. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, you've definitely proven it over the years I've listened, and uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go and watch some more Zach Moss because I, I do like him. I do think he has some abilities, and the one thing I like is he hasn't shown a lot of fumbling issues, so I know he can protect the ball. Um but then also, is I know he's going to be difficult to bring down. It's yeah, if, if he's running, you know, game speed slow, then that's obviously something to to worry about. Um, but I'm thinking he might be a guy that might be pulled onto a team and be a goal line back and bruise his way over the line. But it depends on who takes him, and it's all about draft capital spent and all these things. But I see him going in the third round to an NFC team who just want to use a power back to to get additional touchdowns. So that's why I'm kind of curious on him, but I'm not sold in the same way that <laughs> I am on, on the top four. But he is one I'm, I've got an eye on. But if you're telling me he sucks, I might have to watch again. And uh... <laughs> I, I, gen, I, I generally go back and watch again. So sometimes my opinions change on a guy, but my first takes on Zach Moss was no thank you. So uh, staying on somebody who staying on, let's move on to somebody who's been in the league a little while, and that's Tom Brady for our resident Bucks fan, Murph, over there. Where do you have Brady ranked right now in your quarterback rankings? And then moving on, do you think Godwin and Evans are affected by having Brady in, in a big way, or do they have safe flaws or lower flaws? What's your thoughts on the Bucks? Yeah, I, I like Brady. I, I think Brady's going to be a good fantasy option, uh, which he hasn't been in several years. But, uh, you know, the weapons that the Patriots have had have not been good. I mean, uh, even when they had Gronk the last time around, he was injured, wasn't the same, and then they haven't had him for a while. And Edelman's great when he's out there on the field, but outside of that, it's like, who has he had to throw the ball to? Um, I think Brady's going to be good. I'm really excited for Tampa Bay's rookie running back. Don't know who it is yet, but it's going to happen. So whoever that is, he'll be on a lot of my teams um getting dump offs from Brady as far as Evans and Godwin on that side I, and and to speak to the ranking 
I haven't done my official rankings yet because I stat all the players out post-draft. Um, I imagine Brady will probably be around 15, um, which I am fine drafting anyone in the top 20. So, you know, there, there's 20 quarterbacks I like every year. Um, Brady will be one of them. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I still think are great. They do both get a slight dip. I mean, you just look at the the math. I think Jameis is usually on pace to throw near 5,000 yards, and Brady's not going to do that. He's going to throw for 4,500 yards. I think the touchdowns will be the same, but if you take 500 yards of receiving away from their core, then, you know, it's it's a bump down. But I, I actually argued on our – we just had a, a overreaction episode, and I was saying to not overreact to Mike Evans. You know, I think people just want to crush the dude. Like, oh, the deep ball is gone. Jameis just chucking it up there is gone. Look. He's 26 years old. He's a beast of an NFL wide receiver, and he just got the greatest quarterback all time. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get the same yards per reception that he got with Jameis just slinging it, but maybe he gets more red zone utilization, you know, a wiser method and has 12, 13 touchdowns. So, you know, I like both guys. Their floors are a little lower. Their ceilings are a little lower. But I think they could both be, you know, wide receiver ones again this year. Yeah, I I agree. I I think with Evans, everyone's sitting there wanting to shoot the guy down. The guy's for, in his first six seasons in the league has got a thousand yards in each in each season. So, so he, he's always nailed on to do it again with Brady, barring injury or some kind of amazing collapse. Um, so I can't see he's proven it year on year. I think anyone that's got that reliability, he's got an upgrade at the position. Okay, he might not get fifteen hundred yards this year, but you can you can almost put it in pen that he'll get a thousand yards and half a dozen touchdowns this year. And that's gonna be good enough to be in the top fifteen, eighteen wide receivers this year. And you know, that's that's you're penning that in as the absolute floor. So you know, I, I've seen him going in some drafts at the moment, late third round, thinking this is just nuts. I'd be buying him all day long in the third round. Easily. No difficulty at all. I've got a question just on the the, the tight ends. Where do you, do you think where do you think the tight end production is going to come from? Do you think it will come from Bray, or do you reckon OJ Howard is going to magically return back to what everyone really hopes and believes he's going to be? Uh, I think I think OJ Howard will be better this year. I was reading this really really in depth article that um, was on ESPN uh, earlier today talking about specific routes run distances on um you know certain areas of the field and uh, percentage of throws from Jameis and Brady and their tendencies to use uh tight ends and um I I think OJ Howard has a has a significant bump up this year coming into this past season there was the expectation that he was going to jump into that upper echelon be that George Kittle be that uh you know guy that that really now is a must-have I think he showed based on opportunity, Arian system, his own drops, that that probably won't happen. But I do think O.J. Howard now, I, I you know, I've brought this up in the studio, and the other two guys, they're happy to leave him for dead. Um, they're, they're saying, no, thank you, fool me once uh, situation where they're saying, not going to go through it again. And, and I do think O.J. Howard would be the tight end to own, and I think he will be utilized more. Bruce Arians latches on to guys that he rides rough. I know when he was here in Arizona, David Johnson and the left tackle, DJ Humphreys, those guys, just for some reason, he was brutal to. 
and you saw DJ Humphreys kind of wilt, and you saw David Johnson take the challenge. Um, and so that's really what I'm curious about is what what OJ Howard comes back mentally because he is getting it from Arians. Arians is he just latches onto certain guys and just destroys them in media in front of them uh you know we we uh, had uh lucky enough to sat down with david johnson uh, several times and you know when he when he was here uh we were big fans uh, f- from years past and um you know he's he's told some stories of just you know he'll he'll he's such a player's coach but then he'll pick his guys that's like that's where all my anger goes <laughs> and that's OJ Howard. So if he comes back mentally strong, I think he'll be all right. I mean, the drop rate that OJ Howard had this last year was astronomical, but it's not like this was the first time we've ever seen OJ Howard and drops are not a uh, predictive stat. They're not sticky. So I expect that to change. One final question then. And uh, couldn't let you leave without giving us one sort of spicy hot take for the 2020 fantasy season. So appreciate it's way too early, but what would be right now, hand to the pump, your spicy hot take prediction for the 2020 fantasy season? My spicy hot take prediction. Well, I'm going to keep this, I'm going to keep this local and, and fresh and say that uh, Kenyon Drake will be a top six fantasy running back. Um, he'll be in that tier with Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, um, those guys this season. You know, he basically averaged over 100 yards per scrimmage at a touchdown per game uh if you actually take the running back one performance from each week for the arizona cardinals season first year under cliff kingsbury and you you just say okay well you know the first couple weeks it was uh david johnson then chase edmonds had his uh you know game where uh, everyone was pissed because david johnson was active but chase was actually the guy given the the workload and then they trade for Kenyon drake if you take that running back one performance from those 16 weeks it already was the running back three in fantasy football as far as team goes. Um, so the opportunity is there. I've always been a Kenyon Drake believer coming out of college um, in the talent. He was mired behind uh, Adam Gase, which if you've listened to our show, we don't think Adam Gase is a very good coach. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think he's got the opportunity to, to, be to fair, explode. I'm still this waiting year. to find somebody who does think Adam Gase is a good coach outside of the <laughs> NFL. Because I've yet to meet anybody. I, right, he keeps getting jobs. Like, that's what's <laughs> crazy. Do, ha, does he have, like, dirt on these owners? I reckon he has probably the know. biggest dossier going. And he just literally just whacks it out <laughs> in front of people. Because GMs go, but he always manages to stick around. He gets his GMs fired. Like, like not because of bad coaching. Like, actively <laughs> goes and says, I want him out. And they the, the, co- the owners are like, yep. I agree with you. See y'all later. Amazing that money train of, of uh, Peyton Manning just continues to pay out. I mean, he was so good with Peyton. He was so good. But so would I. I would have been great <laughs> as an offensive coordinator if Peyton Manning was my quarterback. I love it. Oh, man. Tell me about it. So, Jason, obviously, most of our listeners do listen to your great podcast. But if they don't, why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find you and the guys? Yeah, thefantasyfootballers.com. Very easy to find. We've got links to everything, all of our podcasts, our videos, our ultimate draft kit. Uh, all that stuff is is there. And uh, you alluded to it. We've got our Spitballers comedy podcast that is not fantasy football. It's just a, a fun, family-friendly comedy show. So for those with families that, you know, most comedy podcasts you can't put on, you, you can. And if you're locked in with your kids and your family and your household – 
throw that on the spitball. You'll, you'll have a good time. It's all nonsense. We talk, it's, it's very serious, very serious stuff. Big topic. <laughs> very competitive, especially round drafts. That's true. <laughs> Jason, man, thank you so much for coming on. We hugely appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Congrats on Thanks 200. Thanks so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. man. We'll chat soon. Right, Rush Nation. Jason just said it. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Uh, uh, congrats, congrats to you. you you were here episode one i sort of gate crashed around episode 30 i did the jason moore experience and jumped in when uh, uh you know when you'd done all the hard work and got it started and you know now now we are where we are but uh appreciate you letting me ride this train with you it's a pleasure and here's to the next uh, 200 absolutely wouldn't have it any other way right rush nation i hope you enjoyed this absolute blockbuster but as always until next week don't forget keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.